The previous Mishnah talked about a case where the doubt that we have in front of us is not something that happened in a private area or a public area that we can have a clear rule whether to be stringent or lenient, but rather included in the doubt itself is whether the impurity is in a private area or a public area. That's how we explained the previous Mishnah. The truth is, there are those who explain the previous Mishnah as a slightly different scenario. The point is the same, but the question of whether it's a private area or public area is included in the doubt itself. And they explain that the case under discussion is where there is a source of impurity in a public area, and the person is standing in a private area, and there's a doubt as to whether the person entered into the public area or not, and touched the piece of impurity, or vice versa. So this is also a similar case where the doubt includes both a public area and a private area. And the question is, how do we define this as being more of a doubt in a public area or a private area? Now, one such example would be if somebody is standing on the ground and his head is sort of in the middle of the branches of trees. The upper part of a tree is actually considered to be a private area, at least for the laws of impurity. So this is really a case where the person is in a public area, but the top part of the person is already amongst the private area, and the same argument as we had in the previous mission would apply over there. The beginning of this mission, however, talks about a case where Elon Shuomim Bishus Arabim, there is a tree standing in a public area, and there's a piece of something impure, there's a source of impurity inside the tree. And Olalu Roshoi, the person, climbed up to the top of the tree. Now that he is not even standing in a public area, but he's totally in the upper part of the tree, this is considered to be a private area, and therefore Sovik Noga, Sovik Noga, if there is a doubt as to whether or not he touched the piece of impurity, Sveiko Tome, the doubt would be ruled as Tome, as per the law of a doubtful impurity in a private area. Second scenario, if somebody put his hand into a hole in a wall where there is a source of impurity, he himself is standing in the public domain where there are lots of people there, but he places his hand into a hole in a wall. Since the people there in the public area don't usually put their hand in this hole, the hole itself, interestingly, has its own status and is considered to be a private area. And therefore, if there is a doubt as to whether or not the person touched it, his doubt is ruled as being Tome out of doubt. We can see that the definition of a private area in terms of the laws of impurity, is not the same as for other laws. For example, Shabbos. In the laws of Shabbos, there's also significance in being a private area or a public area, but the guidelines and definitions for what's considered to be a private area are totally different. Now the Mishnah brings an additional example of where the doubt itself includes the domain, and really both domains are included in the doubt. If there is a shop that is Tome, for example, there's a dead body inside of that shop, so anybody who enters into the shop becomes Tome, and it's open into a public area. And there is a doubt as to whether or not somebody entered into the shop and therefore became Tome. This doubt will be ruled as being pure out of doubt, and this follows the opinion of the Chachomim in the previous Mishnah, that in cases like this, where both a public area and a private area are involved in the scenario of doubt, 
We consider it to be like a doubt that occurs in a public area and therefore it is ruled stringently. Alternatively, if there was an item inside the shop that only transfers its impurity if somebody touches it and it's positioned on the edge of the shop, there is a doubt as to whether or not a person touched it. So included in that doubt is whether or not he entered into the private area. So a doubt with regards to that case would also be ruled as being pure. If there are two shops, one is Tome and one is pure. There is a doubt as to whether he entered into the Tome shop or the Tohar shop. Over here, he definitely entered into a private area. Just the question is which private area he entered into. And therefore, Sveiko Tome, even the Chachon of the previous Mishnah, agree that over here, the doubt will be ruled stringently as being Tome because it definitely occurred in a private area. As we have learned, if a doubt occurs in a public area, the reason why we are lenient is because of the concept of chazaka, that we assume that the status of something remains the same until we know as a fact that it changed. And therefore, if we have a doubt as to whether something became Tommy or not, that's not a definite fact. And therefore, we are not able to see the status of the item as having stopped being pure. On the other hand, it's learnt from Psukim with regards to a Saito woman who is seen by herself in a private area with another man who, to whom she is not married. It's learnt from there that if the doubt occurs in a private area, then we do not apply the concept of Chazaka. This mission shows that because we don't apply the concept of Chazaka at all, it emerges that even if there are many different doubts involved, we would still be stringent. Any case where you're able to add on doubts and more doubts, if the doubt occurred in a private area, Tome would still be stringent and say that it is Tome, but if it occurred in a public area, then obviously Tahar, it would be ruled pure. Kate said, how so, what exactly are we talking about? The Mishnah explains with an example, if somebody entered into a small side street, which is a, pu- a private area because there's nobody there, and there is a source of impurity in a courtyard, the courtyard opened up into a, the, the, the movoi. The courtyard is also considered to be a private area. There is a doubt as to whether or not the person entered into the courtyard, and that would make him Tome. Or in a different case, where there is trauma of a bias, there is a source of impurity, like a dead body, inside a house. Sofik nichnas, sofik lo nichnas, and there is a doubt as to whether or not a person entered into the house. Vafiru nichnas, and even if he did enter into the house or the courtyard, sofik haisasham, sofik laisasham, there is a doubt as to whether or not the source of impurity was still there or not. It could be that it was removed before he entered into the house, in which case he didn't become Tomei. And even if it's true that the source of impurity was still there when he entered, there is a doubt as to whether it is large enough to transfer its impurity onwards or not. And even according to the option that it is large enough, it does have the minimum measure. There is a doubt as to whether it is still Tomei, or perhaps it is now pure. It could be we're talking about a source of impurity such as a sheret, a small animal, like a weasel that the Torah specifically says is a source of impurity when it is dead. The law is that once the flesh of a sheret dries up, it stops being a source of impurity. So there is a doubt in this case as to whether it dried up or not. 
So even if it is the minimum amount and it's still there, it could be that it's no longer a source of impurity. So there's lots of different doubts involved in the same case. There's lots of different assumptions that need to be true in order to say that the source of impurity still exists there. And even if we know as a fact that the impurity is still considered to be a source of impurity, there's a doubt as to whether or not the person even touched it. Even though there are multiple doubts involved, the doubt will be ruled as being Tomei. Now, Rabbi Lozar essentially agrees. He just argues in one case. Rabbi Lozar, Rabbi Lozar says, fake BR. If there is a doubt as to whether or not the person even entered into that other area, then Tahar, the doubt would be ruled leniently as being pure. Even though the person was definitely in a private area, it could be that he was in the side street or the courtyard, and the doubt as to whether or not he entered into the house. So either way, he was situated in a private area. Nevertheless, since there is a doubt as to whether he entered into that specific private area where the source of impurity is, Yeshua understands that even in this case, we would apply the regular rule of Chazaka and the person would be pure. It's not similar enough to that case of a Saita woman that the Torah describes. But if it's fake Magatuma, if the doubt as to whether or not he touched the source of impurity, then Tome, he would be Tome, even if there are multiple doubts involved, because then we know that he was in the same private area as the source of impurity. Hey, this Mishnah brings a similar scenario where there is a doubt of tumor that occurs in a private area, just that we're not sure which private area the person was in. And according to Rabbi Lozar in the previous Mishnah, the ruling of the Torah that we are strict with regards to doubts of tumor in a private area only applies if we know that you were in that specific private area. If somebody enters into a bikar in the winter, a bikar refers to a large expanse of fields, and there are lots of different fields in this area. The Tumabasodeplonis, and one of the fields has a source of impurity in it. The Omar, and somebody comes and tells us, I went to that place, that area of fields, and I don't know if I entered into that specific field that would make me Tome or not. It could be I only entered into a different field. Rebbe says that out of doubt he is pure because we are not sure that he was in that specific field. But the Chachom say that he would be Tome because the entire expanse of fields is considered to be a private area during the winter because people don't generally walk through fields in the winter. So since at the end of the day, he was certainly in a private area, it doesn't matter that we don't know which one, and either way, the doubt would be ruled stringently. A doubt that occurs in a private area, Tome is ruled as being impure, as we have learned extensively. Unless the person is able to say definitively, I did not touch the source of impurity. And likewise, Tahar, a doubt that arises in a public area with regards to Tumor, is ruled as Tahar. Unless he can tell us for sure that he did touch the source of impurity. There are some who understand the Mishnah is coming to tell us that he must know for sure. And we can't rely just on probabilities or majorities. But the truth is, most understand based on the Gemara... The mission is coming to show that this only applies in a case of a, an equal doubt. 50-50, but if there is a majority that supports one of the sides of the doubt, then we would go according to that. And likewise, other 
reasons for some t- t- to say that probably he did touch it or probably not, those would be taken into account in order to resolve the doubt. A doubt is only if it's 50-50. Ezer Rishasarabim asks the Mishnah, what is the definition of a public area when we're talking about Tumah? There is importance to a public area in the laws of Shabbos as well. For example, one who carries an item for four amas, around two meters, in a public area on Shabbos is liable. He has violated the prohibition of carrying on Shabbos. Likewise, somebody who carries from a public area into a private area, or vice versa, that's also forbidden. So we need to define what's considered to be a public area for the laws of Shabbos, and what is considered to be a public area for the laws of impurity. With regard to the laws of impurity, it generally depends on whether it is an area that there are three or more people or not. And the reason for this is because the scenario of a Saita woman that the Torah talks about, where a married woman was alone with another man... That involves two people. So that would be a, pub- a private area similar to that which the Torah described. But if there, if there are any more people, so then it's considered to be more public than the case that the Torah talked about. And we would therefore be lenient. We would go with the regular law of the Torah of Chazaka, and it's not included in this different law that the Torah introduced. What is considered to be a public area? The paths of Beskilgul, which were steep paths on mountains, and there wouldn't be many people who would travel on these paths. Or similar paths to that, which is considered to be a private area for the laws of Shabbos. The Mishnah at least means that it's not considered to be a public area. It could be that it's something in the middle, something called a Carmelis. Be as it may, the point is that it's not considered to be a public area since people don't generally use it. However, for the laws of impurity or Shasarabim Latuma, it's considered to be a public area. The reason being that there are generally at least three people who are on those paths, even if right now there aren't. But in general, there are at least three people situated on those paths at different points during the day. And therefore, that's enough for it to be considered a public area for the laws of Tuma. From Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar argues, and he says that Lehuz Kruishvili based Gilgal, the paths of base Gilgal were mentioned by the Chachomim, Ela Shehein Rishos only to say that they are considered to be a private area for both Shabbos and Tumah. Because at the end of the day, people rarely enter those paths, and therefore, even for the laws of Tumah, it's considered to be a private area. Continues the Mishnah, Paths that lead into pits or more square pits or underground caves or vaults. That's referring to essentially a dug-up area that has been covered. It has a roof and a wine vat. These are all considered to be a private area for the laws of Shabbos or at least not a public area, but it's considered to be a public area for the laws of Tumah. We're talking about an area which is on the edge of a public area, a public path, and people would often end up walking through those areas or brushing past them slightly as they were walking on the public area, but it wasn't designated for such a purpose. It's considered to be its own private area, just that people would end up, as they were passing through the public area, they would naturally also brush past these areas. So for the laws of Shabbos, that doesn't change the status of these as being private areas. 
but for the laws of Tuma, which is dependent totally on the reality, if there are people there or not, so it would be considered to be a public area for the laws of Tuma. We care more about the amount of people who are there rather than the definition of the area objectively. Although that having been said, there is no need for three people to actually be there at the time that the doubt occurs. It's enough that in general there are at least three people in that area.